0: Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast, and it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X books of the recent ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion sometimes we even have lists and other times we have book clubs on marvel series past and present coming down by good old sky Laser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third friday excelsior excelsior indeed
1: a long time ago in a galaxy far far away And Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, are Liz and Matt. It's been a minute. How are you guys doing?
2: You doing know, well. Yeah, yeah. Do, doing well, all things considered. I'm going to keep on that caveat on, on that for a while. Okay, yeah. That's very fair. Um, but we are here
1: because Disney Plus recently added a bunch of Ewok shit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. so we're starting with the first Ewok Film, uh, originally called The Ewok Adventure, subsequently retitled Caravan of Courage an Ewok Adventure. This was a made for television 2-hour broadcast film on ABC. It premiered on November 25th, 1984, before Matt was even born.
2: That's true. <laughs>
0: oh no, Matt. <no. laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm sorry. Uh but this is um this is a really interesting piece of Star Wars miscellany for a few reasons. Uh, so this is the second foray into television after the holiday special, which was really poorly received. And so George Lucas decided that he wanted a a, a more, um, I guess, a more close approach to this. He wanted to work more closely with ABC and with everyone involved to make sure this wasn't an embarrassment on the level that the holiday special was. And... I would have thought less erotic would have gotten you there. <laughs> yes, well, that, that is that is certainly true. Nobody watches like a a, uh, a stag film in the middle of this the way that they do in the holiday special, um, you know. But so, the, but there's like so many Star Wars things. There's a lot of weirdness in this, but we'll get to that in a minute. This is also probably the first instance. Save that holiday special of Star Wars media being really meant for children. Like, this is 100% a kid's movie. Um, But again, it's not so cut and dry as we're going to talk about in a minute. So before we get into sort of the nitty-gritty here, Liz, what did you think of this movie?
0: All right, well, I I went into this... um really only ever hearing from I think one of my friends had seen these Ewok movies and he would ask me for years if I had ever seen them um, and I had said obviously no Um, and then I texted my brother Mark before watching I was like have you ever seen these you know Ewok movies from the 80s he said no because they definitely came out before he was born Um, and so I was like all right well I'll send you a review and about 15 minutes into the movie, I almost. Oh, sorry, that's Indy. Um, Hi, Indy. Yep, yeah, the ice man is he here. Um, I almost uh, texted Mark and said, "Don't don't bother watching. That's my review." <laughs> okay. Um, oh. I, you know, after I um, started watching, I, 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 I you know I, I feel like I I came to you know appreciate some things, but after the movie, I still texted Mark. Don't bother watching.
2: Hey, Matt, what did you think of this? I I thought it was okay. I think I... Um, so, I guess a little back. I've been watching a lot of Godzilla movies lately because the new one came out. So, I've been trying to describe them to people as they're good or bad within the context of the genre they're supposed to be in. Sure, sure. So, if I was to, like... Compare this to like Dark Crystal or Labyrinth or things like that. I think it's okay. I mean, it's no like Last Unicorn or Neverending Story, but it's better than some other things from that fantasy realm Um, because it really came out either right at the cusp or before a lot of these other weird fantasy puppet things that really don't compare to it. But if I am looking at it from like a Star Wars lens or a lens of a you know, regular film, it it is pretty, pretty terrible. And also really scary to put a kid in front of. Well,
1: that was one of the main notes that I took from this. So I had never seen this movie. I know I saw the next one, which is uh, Battle for Endor, it's called, which we'll eventually get to, I presume. That's because um, you didn't grow up with Erin VanVleet. This is apparently one of her favorite films. Oh, really? I was not aware of that. Really? Mm-hmm. Her and Eileen watched.
2: Her and Eileen watched it many a times.
1: Okay, so what I was going to say was, all I remember about the second Ewok film is that my parents had got Chinese food for dinner, and I ate it and threw up. And you know when you were a kid, how you just, like, remember something you ate and then you never want to eat it again? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't eat Chinese food for 10 years after that incident. And so that is my, like, primary thought when it comes to these movies is just, um, you know, I remember getting sick on wonton soup or whatever it was. <laughs> I'm sure I had a stomach bug. I'm sure it wasn't poison food or anything. but
2: Or the movie itself. Or the
1: movie itself, yes. Um, but so you know, my my overall memory of it, though, besides from being sick, is being scared watching that first mo- the second movie. And there is some stuff in this that I think is pretty scary for a kid's movie. Would you guys agree with that?
0: I, I would one hundred percent agree with that. And when i my friend had told me about these movies, he said the opening scene. He remembers the opening scene scarring him and also uh, in particular, the yeah, I, the spider scaring him. so. Uh. I think these are scary for kids.
2: For a today's movie, yes. Very, very scary. Um, For movies back then, I'd say it's it's not great, but it's sort of average. I mean, it it is very jarring to see a small child cry about their parents probably being dead already, so why are they bothering looking for them? Mm -hmm. Like, that as an adult is jarring to me yes um but you mean again to compare the apples to apples we see you know a horse drown in filth we see uh uh optimus prime just getting murked out of nowhere like movies were weird back then like kids sat through some shit on these films so i don't i'm glad that we're not there now um but i would say it's creepy as an adult, but there's some really scary monsters and scenes that I don't know if I would really delve into with a kid.
1: Well, what I was going to say is I feel like there are elements of it that are obviously, you know, um, like you said, jarring or creepy or whatever. But I think specifically for Star Wars, like when, when you think about the scariest moments in Star Wars, most of the scary stuff in Star Wars comes in the form of sort of pure evil. Like, when I was a kid, I was terrified of the Emperor shooting lightning out of his hands at Luke. Mm -hmm. Because that's... You see somebody who is clearly the bad guy who is going to... who is trying to kill someone who is clearly the good guy. This had a lot of, like, existential dread. (laughs) Which is just something I don't expect to see from my kids' media. Um, (laughs) Like you said, Matt, just this idea of, like... The parents think the kids are dead. The kids think the parents are dead. And nobody has much hope walking around in this movie. Mm -hmm. That's a really, that's a pretty jarring sort of, you know, place to begin a kid's movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You begin almost watching the younger, like, sister die. Just like, remember me fondly. It's like, what is happening?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And also the fact that it was like it was on TV. It wasn't even in a theater. It was just. Oh my gosh! I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay that that makes it way worse. <laughs> you can just flick on the television. Like you didn't know what you were getting into at that point. Like I remember renting and being scared of the Thundercats movie, but that okay. was my grandma's fault. Like <laughs> right. Like right. we went to the store and acquired that. It wasn't just on
1: TV. Well, I, I also imagine like, you know, as as a parent myself, there are plenty of times I'm thinking around Christmas time, right, where you look back in the day at a TV guide or in the newspaper and you say, oh, look, there's Frosty the Snowman's on tonight. Oh, we'll put that on for the kids. How many parents were like, oh, thank God there's a Star Wars movie on tonight. I can get some work done around the house. And then their kids are scarred for life because of this movie. <laughs> um, right. Right. So, but speaking of Christmas movies, first bizarre thing, narrated by Burl Ives of (laughs) Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer fame. I I, I heard the voice. I'm like, no, that can't be Burl Ives. Nope, it's Burl Ives. I was waiting for Silver and Gold to happen the whole time.
2: Burl Ives, who came out of retirement
1: to do this movie. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah. (laughs) He
0: He had to do Star Wars, I guess. If this was his inn, finally they had a narrator for the opening credits, <laughs> or a good a good portion in the beginning. I was like, "Ooh, is this going to be all narration?" Since the Ewoks just speak Ewok,
2: right? Um, so yeah, couple... it was weird that it kind of dropped out for a
1: while and then wrapped back in. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so so there's definitely that's a weird element to the movie. What's also a really weird element to the movie is that. Did you guys realize
2: this is supposed to take place before Return of the Jedi? No. I I assumed it had to, just because, you know, Endor's there. Um, <laughs> but Endor's there at the end of Return of the Jedi? Yeah, but it, the fallout radiation is just destroying the planet. So. Oh, right.
0: Mr. Practical. So I
2: was thinking in a very complex way, because... Widget or Wicket, um, Wicket is familiar with humankind when he meets Leia.
1: Is so, he? I think that's I mean, where he, in...
2: he's poking her
1: with a spear.
2: Well, because he knows that evil they can do. So, <laughs> <laughs> the last one almost shot him in the face with a laser. So, that, that is
1: true. That is true. Um, Wicket has seemingly forgotten the little English that he was taught in this movie by, um, I'm gonna forget her name now. The little girl's name, uh, Sindel. Sindel. Yeah. So Sindel like teaches. Shersha? No. Yeah. <laughs> Sindel teaches him a little bit of of English in this, but uh, he has since forgotten that by the time Return of the Jedi comes around. Um.
2: But okay. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm cut off. do you do you have information about the production of this? A little bit. What, what's okay, your question? T- because timing wise, this came out. Less than a year after Return of the Jedi. Yes, about a year after, yeah. So this had to be made alongside of at least the editing process of Jedi, right? Um, like, what, what is the overlap of the production of these two films? I don't
1: think there's as much overlap as you would think. Okay. Because I think that this was produced pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it shot like, um, you know what it reminded me of? Look-wise, I mean, before all the Labyrinth stuff, um, was uh, the gods must be crazy. Okay, I could see that, sure. Where it's just like, here, we're outside and we're shooting things with a handy cam and you guys just kind of do it. You're <laughs> like, okay.
1: <laughs> well, one of the things I was going to talk about was how, you know, we are we are told multiple times in Return of the Jedi... That what kind of a planet is Endor? It's a forest moon. It's a forest yet, moon. Yet we see a lot of this moon that has no forest whatsoever. Yep.
0: And
2: they keep and, referring to entering the forest. I'm like, how do you enter the forest when you, that's all that it is?
1: Yeah.
0: There's, there's a lot of farm life for a forest moon. <laughs> mm-hmm. as well.
1: Yes, yes. There, There, there is some, uh,
2: there are some mountains and things. It, it just seems to me like an arid desert with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with battery acid. <laughs> um, pools for no reason like that part of it for three seconds I don't know yeah it's it's very
1: strange some of the decisions are very strange in terms of how the uh, how the planet is presented but you know okay whatever I guess um, it,
2: but it's so weird that it, it was made coinciding with J- Jedi essentially <laughs> like they, these things weren't mysteries you didn't know you were going to go in another
0: direction <laughs> right right I guess um, continuity wasn't the main goal in that in that instance <laughs> I mean, you,
1: you got to realize like this is also a time before everything being released on home media where lots of things were seen once and then never again and yeah. so I'm sure that there was some conversation about how seriously do you want to take part of this and people were just like this is a movie for kids that they're going to watch once and that's the end of it so who cares <laughs> The only part that
2: will live on is the wolf monster every time they close their eyes to go to sleep.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, let's let's talk about a couple other things here. Um, there is an absolutely bonkers rumor about this. I want to save for the end. So, do, oh. not, do not let me get out of this without talking about the rumor
2: that's out there. Okay. Oh, man. I'm excited now. Um
1: but I I want to say that I feel like the kid who plays Mace, who is the brother in this, could named could...
2: after Mace Windu, correct?
1: <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure it's a family name, yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think he could have fit in as a Skywalker because mm, yeah, he's yeah. a whiny little bitch for most of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was one of my main notes.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, how, how he is just like he's angsty and he's whiny and he's he's he does his best like i, I you know he's trying to he's for, he's dealing with more than any kid his age should probably <laughs> have to deal true.
2: with it's a lot on his shoulders watching his little sister die yes. after they get kidnapped by these rodent creatures yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes so you know in his defense you know i would probably be cranky too um but he's you, also really dumb the fact that the flies well, his act of saving his family is to crawl into the cage with them yes I don't... yes
1: i also don't understand how they get the rope up there but then an Ewok has to climb up the <laughs> rope to just put another person into the cage before climbing down.
0: It, it's, not, it's not the best plan.
1: No, yeah. no, it, it's certainly not the best plan. Um, but, you know, but like I said, you know, so, so I, yeah, I cut Mace some slack here because, you know, he is, he is going through some shit, right? Um, but, but it's also interesting how this is before... So there comes a point in Star Wars sort of um, like ancillary media where you begin to see certain things be figured out. Like, for instance, initially you see Obi-Wan dress a certain way and then in the prequels you find out that's how all Jedi dress. And so some things get like hyper specific with, with the way people dress and all that. But it seems like during this time there was just like four different ways that people dressed and it kind of doesn't matter like what their like profession or a planet of origin is so like mm-hmm. like Mace is dressed like a starfighter like he's dressed oh, yeah. like he should mm-hmm. be piloting a ship for the rebellion even mm-hmm. though he's a tween like it's, yes. it's, it's very strange how that works but you know this is before things like that were really figured out sort of in house at Lucasfilm um,
2: so he is, he is dressed a, a little strangely throughout this. Yeah. I feel like it's just a leftover costume from Jedi that just had the kid wear.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that, that seems very likely here. Um, so I guess let's, let's talk about the plot for a second here. Liz, can you like summarize the plot for us?
0: Oh man. All right. So, um, the plot of the entire movie. Yeah. Just right. is,
1: like the general broad strokes.
0: right so here we go so uh in the beginning the opening scene we see two adults land on this planet um it is in fact the forest moon of endor and there are some trees it seems foresty um and they encounter a giant scary beast um and that seems to be you know the opening scene and that's where we head to uh the ewok portion of the movie um in which we meet these two children mace who we've mentioned already um, and Sindel, his younger sister. Um, and it seems as if Sindel is not doing well, um, and the Ewoks... Whatever gives you that impression? <laughs> she, well, she talks about well dying. <laughs> <Yeah. Everything laughs> I'm dying. It was. It was a- It was a real example of understatement there. (laughs) And um, the Ewoks seem to be able to nurse her back to health. Um, They do, uh, Mace and the Ewoks do on a journey to try and find some sort of, uh, is it a magic elixir of some sort? It's the sap
2: of a magical tree.
0: Yeah. Which, oddly
2: enough, is just like a tree on the side of the forest. It's not like a big tree of any sort. (laughs) It's
0: just like yeah. a tapped maple tree. Yep. Yeah. Um, in order to help uh, nurse her back to health, it seems. Um, and, uh, you know, there is some interaction between uh, the children and the Ewoks. They do teach the Ewoks, uh, you know, to speak a bit. Um, Mace, as we mentioned, has... I don't know if conflict maybe is the best word with the Ewoks. Also, um, some angst um as well and uh, these uh children decide to go on a um quest or an or perhaps join a caravan Mm -hmm. to go rescue their parents once they figure out where they think they are which is a part of endor where the ewoks do not venture um so they do gather a band of ewoks um with them um and they are presented with a number of hmm are they magical items? The, are, n- n- uh
2: one is?
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. no,
2: I'd say I'd say 3 are. Some of them are just mundane. Yeah. They're more symbolic items.
0: Yeah. Um, I would say
2: that all of them are simply uh
1: Fingers to stick in the plot holes to keep the dam from breaking. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, they're like, let's talk, throw a dozen MacGuffins. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, we we can get back to it later, but I do want to discuss specifically the crystal and the tooth. Um, but we can talk about that later. Okay. okay.
0: All right. So I, you know, the individuals going on the journey do receive these items whatever they may be, based on our opinions. Um, and they do go on this caravan, this quest to go find their parents. Um, they discover, I believe, another Ewok, um, who they need for their uh, quest. They discover a, um, a fairy at one point um, that Mace does take with him. Um, they do find their parents. And as we mentioned earlier, through a sort of convoluted... <laughs> Uh, not easy to understand. Plan. They do rescue their parents, um, and uh, the story does end happily. Ever after.
1: Thank you, Liz. That was a, that. was a very succinct mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and well and well told version of the story. Thank you. Um, so, a, a couple of things that I wanted to mm-hmm. to mention here. I am sort of shocked that we haven't gotten more with. Either Isrina, who is the little fairy, or the Gorax in sort of the broader Star Wars media over the last few years, because we've we've seen Star Wars loving to bring back weird things from its past, mm-hmm. and it turns out that have you guys watched any of those Forces of Destiny cartoons? No, I have not. No. So, so those short, they're like, they're short little cartoons. Apparently, the Gorax is in one of those. Oh. So I was wrong. wrong. They, they have brought that back. And it seems like uh, Isrina has been in at least one book.
0: Oh. In, in
1: the Legends stuff. So the stuff that's now no longer in canon. Oh, okay. Uh, and there is also, um, I believe, both kids, but I know for sure Sindel also appeared in one of those now no longer canon novels Mm -hmm. Um, which I guess kind of makes sense like these characters and these characters we should say all the human characters return for the second movie which I was not Mm -hmm. aware of so um, it it doesn't surprise me that there are people who probably loved these movies as kids who would be very jazzed to see these characters show up again in some other sort of media um but I'm sort of surprised we haven't seen more from this. But, again, The Mandalorian hasn't been to Endor yet. We'll, we'll, we'll wait. I'm sure that'll happen eventually.
2: <laughs> Not yet.
1: <laughs> um, so um, I, I was also kind of taken aback by how emotional they have Mace get towards the end of the film. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know any of these Ewoks' names aside from aside from Wicket, right? But there's there's the Ewok that dies... Mm-hmm. Sort of at the very end, and and he gives Mace his axe, and and Mace gets like legitimately sad about this. And I feel like mm-hmm. they went, they took the kid from being kind of a dick to being, I mean, truly uh, emotional. And not in the, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, they kind of showed like a, the breadth of emotion of this character. And I was sort of taken aback by it. I mean, he looked the the kid is not going to win an Oscar anytime soon (laughs) but I think that I I was just I was sort of impressed with the emotional depth they were going for here Mm -hmm. yeah even even if it's kind of a swing and a miss I'm just I'm impressed that they went for it all
0: yeah I agree and I feel like especially you know if it's a movie intended for kids I feel like that was probably a a good move and maybe it, it would work better for that audience as well maybe not for adults like us sure sure
1: yeah um before we get into the Ewoks themselves, did you guys feel that? How can I put this? I I don't want to say that the plot was incredibly thin, but it's it's pretty thin. But I don't know how you really do too much more with Ewoks. Like I feel like whenever you're doing an Ewok centric story, there's a certain amount of just there's going to be a lot of squeaking and squawking and silly walking around. Were you expecting more plot from this or was this about what you expected?
0: I, I don't know what I expected. Um, and I do think the plot was very simplistic, but I feel like it, it worked and maybe that's why I liked it too. It wasn't too convoluted and they didn't try to do too much. It was pretty basic. It was easy to follow. Um, and I you know, I, I feel like it worked for what it was for the ewoks.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's probably on par for what I was expecting
1: it, it, it just it struck me as an interesting um, sort of how can I put this i i was I was expecting there to be more motivations for different characters. But I feel like the motivations are just very pure. Just the kids want their parents back, end of mm-hmm. story. And the Ewoks are willing to help. End of story. I thought there'd be more yeah. reason for the Ewoks to be, um, to be invested in
2: this. Hmm. <laughs> the the Ewoks, uh, e- comparing this e- in Return of the Jedi, their motives are, I want to say they're they're. They're undiscernible to a non <laughs> they It's not exactly clear why they do what they do. Why do they c- take the kids in the first place? I don't really know. Um, the key thing we, re- we know is that if the kids had stayed where they are, the parents would have found them. That's said multiple times, right. but whatever. Um, they then end up helping them, um, end up coercing other Ewoks into this, possibly death trial to rescue mm-hmm. two creatures from a race they've just met so um but take it with a real utmost mystical importance um it, it's kind of like the the same way where they you know find a metal god and they decide to go to war against the people that have been oppressing them for lord knows how long so they're they're their own people
0: it it just felt to me that, like, it, it just showed that the Ewoks were innately good in some sense. They were willing to help these kids out, even if it meant one of them was going to have to sacrifice their life at the end. Mm-hmm. And one of them, Mace, was kind of a dick.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um. in, in the end, he learned from the Ewoks. I mean, you know, he was emotional at the end. At least we got that change.
2: Yes. that should uh, He... Yeah, well, in the beginning, he, they, they bring his sister back from the brink of, I guess, like a fever death, uh, malaria, I don't know what it was, <laughs> um, but then immediately his, you know, perfect European conqueror instinct is, I'm going to get my gun, and we're going to leave these animals in the dust, and we're out. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Well, they ju- <laughs> you, you just were crying to them, please save my sister, and now you're like,
0: we're done. They're animals, I'm over it. It's like okay. And that was an interesting aspect too, I thought. Every time he rarely tried to use his gun, but when he did, the Ewoks are very wary of it and rarely did it work. Mm -hmm. Especially at the end. Like I think against the spider, he tried to use it, it didn't work. They used, you know, one of their weapons that worked. Um I thought that was an interesting element as well.
2: Yeah. Well, And in Star Wars in general, Ewoks do represent the kind of force of nature, um, which is, I I guess, just kind of a fantasy trope that crept in at some point into the Star Wars universe. It's very much, you know, the Ents take on Isengard um, or any other, you know, elves reclaiming the forest, things like that. That's kind of what the Ewoks represent in the battle for Endor, at least. Um, So I guess it makes sense here that they, you know their little sticks and crystals are better than you know a 12 year old with a gun
0: <laughs> yeah and this story felt almost more like a fairy tale to me or seemed like it fulfilled oh more, yeah you know the uh, the tropes or the definitions of a fairy tale than you know sort of sci-fi or anything even just star wars um yeah so
1: um what else would we want to talk about before we dig into this?
2: Um, I don't know. I, th- I think the, re- the rest of it is, it, it exists as a weird fantasy movie if you look at it from, you know, arm's length away, very much the same as any of the others that came out. in that eight year span, I guess, from well, like 82 to 90, or maybe even like 82 to 88, there's like a thousand of these things. But if you look closer, it does get even weirder. So, <laughs> all
1: right. So, you guys ready for this bonkers rumor?
0: Yes. Yeah. So,
1: I feel like I don't. I didn't read too much into this because I, I don't know if something happens in the next movie that would maybe um, make this make a little bit more sense. But there's a rumor out there that Sindel is Captain Phasma.
0: What? 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 Yes. <sighs> you. <yeah>. How, how, <laughs> how? does she make that turn? <laughs> what? <laughs> how does this? <laughs> is there what? What? What's the support? <laughs> so the, I mean, with as
2: much backstory as I you know of Phasma, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they I both have equal. Well,
1: I read an entire Phasma novel and it kind of picks up like later on in her life. And so, I mean, I don't really know. <laughs> Again, I think we have to watch the next movie and then maybe dig into this more.
2: <laughs> Is this where her dark turn takes place? Is in the next film?
1: I don't know, you know, um, but it, it just seems to me like. We've talked about on the show before about how Star Wars fans are obsessed with everyone being somebody. Mm -hmm. There's never just a new character. It's always someone's lost something or other. (laughs) Um, But if this was truly, like, the inspiration for Captain Phasma, that's A, bonkers, B, insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> C dumb for
2: D brilliant. I don't even. I don't even it, know. It's just. It, a, I mean, it, it feels like the most Star Wars thing ever, though.
0: Yes, that's accurate. Doesn't yeah. Star have a British
1: accent? She does, but I, I I would argue that if if Sindel was brought to some place, you know, as a seven or eight year old, lived there for thirty years, she might develop a British accent.
0: That, yeah. That's fair.
2: You've heard Madonna and, uh,
0: talk. I ha- yes, I've also heard Gwyneth Paltrow. So yes, yeah, exactly. Right.
2: Oh, they do talk about in um in different imperial novels that it's a very much a point of officers to either get rid of their original accent or try to have as much of a um you know a formal uh I I can't remember the name of the planet the big planet accent um uh, um the sea. Coruscant, a Coruscant Mm. accent. So it it would make sense. All right. So I'm not saying it's true, but I'm saying (laughs) it, you know, (laughs) it's it's plausible. plausible. So Hmm. a couple of.
1: Oh wow! I just read the plot of the next movie. Maybe she <laughs> is Captain Phasma. I'm not going to say anything. Ah, really? We'll we'll, well, we'll watch that movie next time, and we'll talk about it. Um, oh, it
0: makes me actually more excited to watch this next movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: But so, um, there Maybe was the animated series is just Wicket trying to strike her down. <laughs> <laughs> so the, oh, this is the animated
1: series apparently takes place before the Star Wars trilogy. Oh, so man. it's a prequel to this. Huh. Uh, one of the timelines. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like George Lewis can never just make a sequel to anything. <laughs> no. But so um, Sindel appears in the novel Tyrant's Test, which is part of the Black Fleet Crisis series, which I have not read. No. Uh, ten years after this, um, in this, she she's a reporter on Coruscant. Okay. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything either. Um, and then I'm trying to find any other connections here. Yeah. It looks like, uh, the Gorax was in, um, one of the forces of destiny shorts with sp- specifically one with Leia and Luke actually. Um, mm. so I, I guess maybe that takes place during, uh, during return of the Jedi. I'm not really sure. A lot of
2: those <laughs>
1: shorts take place sort of like
2: in the middle of other stories. That being said, I want votes right here, right now on the podcast, to the listeners, is there a Sindel, is there a Gorax story in a certain point of view, Jedi? Oh, that's a good think? question. Um, oh, wow. I, th- I think Gorax definitely.
0: Huh. Well, let me say this. I don't, I, there is I don't one, know about Sindel.
1: There is 100% a Wicket story. Well, yeah. oh, like, yes. No, no questions asked. I'm gonna say... That there's going to be a Gorak story for sure, and maybe, maybe a Sindel story.
0: Hmm.
2: I think there's, there, I mean, there's definitely a, a Wicket and probably a Logre story. He's the the uh, the leader one.
1: Yes. Yeah, I don't hmm. know. I feel like I feel like that's an excellent question
0: because it is it's a great like, question
1: because the Empire one brought in characters that that are not that are not in Empire but mm-hmm. that stories sort of intersect with that timeline
2: yep. Bucky O'Hare.
1: yeah, exactly hmm that's that's interesting huh, <laughs> huh okay all right well I'm I am interested. To, to to see if that's proven correct in 2023 when we there have to go. read that novel. Um, <laughs> like when we have to read
0: <laughs> hey, We have to make it through 40-something stories again. Yes.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, I was actually thinking, I still have not read all of the first from a certain point of view. I might try and just use those stories as, like, palate cleansers after the books I read. Okay, <laughs> Non-Star Wars books. Just, you know. I, th- I think they're probably taken better when you don't have to read 40 of them you know at a clip.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you're probably right. I have not finished that one yet either.
2: Yeah, so we shall see um, That's one of the few things I have on audiobook that mm-hmm. I might actually just listen to. okay, that makes sense
1: too yeah mm-hmm. All right, so is there any do you guys have any other sort of pressing ewok thoughts?
2: okay I I want I want your take. So on the quest outset, we have the magical items that are given to the quest givers. And then we have a crystal and a tooth. They said these will be given to those who will aid you in the quest. Which I thought was like a cool, like mystical, like you will find people who will like need these, and then they will aid you because this is kind of you know foreseen as something in Ewok culture you come to find out this is crap that Low Gray has either stolen or acquired from other Ewoks (laughs) that they're going to use as bribe material to get them to join it's like oh hey mystical you want your crystal back you better go save this kid's parents (laughs) so he's giving them like um, I don't know like bribe materials to get other Ewoks involved I don't so how do you think Logre came into possession of these? Do they owe him a favor, maybe? Is this like a shadow type of situation? Oh, that's
1: interesting. I, I like that you brought in the shadow.
2: Yeah. Um, that's like the favor that Logre is calling in. Right. Or even like the godfather.
1: Like, you know. There uh, we go. Yeah. You know, ha- yeah. Having maybe on the day of Logre's daughter's wedding, <laughs> uh, all these Ewoks went to him and asked yeah. him for uh asked him for a favor. And yeah, he's, he's like, I that. will
2: take your tooth and yes. I will take your crystal. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, look how they massacred my boy. Um, <laughs>
2: so, yeah,
1: uh, that's an excellent question. <laughs> yeah.
2: Also, does anybody remember
0: the Ewoks being cuter? I That, that was a note I made where I, I, I feel like in... Yeah, I feel like in the movie, maybe in the Forest Moon, they're in like a lower light. You have to <laughs> not be shot in bright light. They're not as cute. Like they're like so lying. many
1: things, they're better with the lights off. I suppose. <laughs> right. um,
0: low low light. They need a filter, I guess. Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, no, that, that that I did I did notice that as well. How so? I guess they just look cheaper.
2: Like,
0: it just, yeah. it... TV Ewoks are not movie Ewoks.
2: No, no, they are no. not. Uh, no, oh boy. Maybe their costumes fit tighter because they definitely were just baggy ass Sex <laughs> <sacks>. Well,
1: <laughs> so that that's our caravan of courage discussion. Um, I guess next time we'll do Ewoks: The Battle for Endor.
0: Yeah, I like the sound of that. I, I, yeah. I feel it's like a now very does... uninspired. Um... I know. Title. Yes. Considering we already
2: have another battle for Endor,
1: <laughs> so apparently it takes place um, six months after the uh, after this film. Okay, but oh. still before Jedi. I let's see. Um, do, 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 do. I'm not sure. Uh, I I will say this though, there is somebody who is listed as the star of this. And it's not Burl Ives, and I, <laughs> I wonder if if this person is the narrator of this film, or if they are playing a character. I'm let me, I'm doing some research right now. Ah, uh, it appears they're playing a character. Oh. I cannot wait to see how this works out. Do oh, you boy. want me to say who it is or no? Unless it's Billy D. Williams, no. Okay, it's <laughs> not Billy D. Williams. I'll so All keep right. it. Keep it a secret here. Um, but yeah, so so this is going to be, oh man. Oh, I just looked it up. <laughs> nice. Oh. All right, who is it? Who, oh
2: now my. I'm the only one who doesn't know.
1: Okay, you ready? You ready, Matt? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say one word to you, and the way I pronounce this word <laughs> yes! will tell you oh, who it man. is. You ready? Mm-hmm. Diabetes.
2: Oh my gosh, my <laughs> dog. It's shoppers.
1: Wilfred Brimley, yes. <laughs> Matt's oh dog my. bears a bears a stunning resemblance to Wilfred Brimley. For those that don't know, he so. does. He does.
0: And in this promo <laughs> picture, he's holding like a staff. I feel like he's like Gandalfy with that beard. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay. This is going to be interesting. So next time we're here in two weeks, we'll be back with a look at the second Ewok film, and we'll probably take a break from the Ewoks after this. Okay. Um, okay. Just because you know, I don't want to make you guys watch two seasons of a crappy
2: cartoon uh, this this quickly back to back. We're gonna dive more into the Wilford Brimley specifically. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. Um,
2: and I really do.
1: I I am I am flabbergasted by the description I read of this. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm ready to dig in here let me say this if this first film seems dark just wait till we watch the second one based on the description. oh no oh so, my gosh yeah so we'll see what happens here but anyway thank you folks for listening we appreciate it we'll be back in two weeks with a discussion of ewoks the battle for endor and until then remember the force will be with you always